Hello, and welcome to Maine Education Matters. I'm your host, Matt Drewett Card. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back. Um, it's going to be a crazy, crazy school year this year. I'm not saying anything that you don't know already. So we're in the process here at the Maine Education Matters headquarters of re-figuring out how to do this. Um, the other Matt, as we like to say, he has moved off to California to bigger and better things, and he's still part of this, and we'll join in time to time. But for the most part, it's going to be me, and if anyone else there wants to join in, we might do some panels and things, we'll make those happen. I plan to continue to monitor things happening at the legislature and in the state way as best as I can, as as much as one person can do, uh, who also has a full-time job and other commitments and a family. And yeah, so I will do my best to keep up the pace of things. But as you all know, things get nuts. We haven't had many episodes or any episodes this summer because, well, there was no real summer for many of us because we were trying to figure out what to do come August and September, which is where we're at now. So today's episode is going to be about recapping a few things that have happened over the summer, what's coming up in the fall, or at least in the immediate, and we'll see where it goes from there. So let's start off with when we last spoke, uh, we talked a little bit about the framework for returning to classroom instruction from the Maine Department of Education. And uh, to be honest, only one real part of it has changed. The, there were, if you remember, there were five different parts of it, and the major changes that have been happening are at the physical health and safety considerations, part one. And I think the thing that people need to take away from this, if they haven't already, and I know everyone's seeing this, that you're all in your districts right now, and you are going through this in one capacity or another. You're having plans approved or not approved. They are going to boards and boards are arguing and debating or they're just flat out accepting or they're just flat out denying what is there. And so the hardest thing that people are coming to grips with is are the, are the things that are really driving whether or not we'll be in person or a hybrid or fully remote. And it all comes back to those six requirements for safely opening schools in the fall. When we spoke back earlier this summer, or one of our last episodes, there were guidelines and recommendations, and there was some level of requirement to it, but it wasn't really strong. Well, now the framework is strong and says, no, 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 these are requirements. For example, and we'll, we'll go over a couple of them quickly, like the symptom screening at home. Yeah, you got to do a symptom screening. Every family, parent, student... A uh, staff member has to do a screening process at home to make sure that they're feeling well before they come to school. Hand hygiene, there's going to have to be trainings. We have to have a lot of trainings on how to do hand washing. Personal protective equipment, uh, not just for every staff member, but for nurses, because nurses are going to need more. Uh, special, some special education uh, programs might need more, etc. There needs to be a plan for uh, returning to school after illness. Um, so those are four of the six requirements. And honestly, those are the easiest one to grapple with. So let's talk about the two that hold up every single conversation. Masks and face coverings and physical distancing in facilities. And we'll start with that, uh, with the masks and face coverings. 
I, I don't understand why this is so controversial, to be honest, because to me it is very simple. Uh, the language says this. Adults, including educators and staff, are required to wear a mask or face covering. Students ages 5 and above are required to wear a mask or face covering that covers their nose and mouth. All right, let's just stop there. Because most schools in this state have, go from, or districts, start in kindergarten and go to grade 12. That's from ages 5 and up to adult. So that says very clearly, everyone wears a mask covering or face covering, period. Then we get into this face shields language. I'm not going to, masks are recommended for ages 2 to 4. Okay, when developmentally appropriate. I'll throw that in there for you pre-K folks. They must be worn by all students on the bus. So basically, if you're, when you're starting your day, you're getting onto anything regarding school property, whether it's the grounds or transportation, put a mask on. Put on a face covering. But what is a face covering? Come on. Then it talks about face shields. They might be an alternative for those students with documented medical or behavioral challenges who are unable to wear masks or face coverings. The same applies to staff with medical or other health reasons for being unable to wear face coverings. And then there's some details about what the face shield must extend and its length and whatnot. This is also very simple. Documented medical or behavioral challenges who are unable to wear masks. So you have to have the documented mental, uh, medical or behavioral challenges, and as a result of those medical or behavioral challenges, you're unable to wear masks or face coverings. This is not hard. It's simple. Do we like it? No. And that's what's really doing a lot of the fighting, in my opinion, is just folks fighting about what they don't like. But, those are, but that's the reality. That's where we are. And those are the requirements. Now, physical distancing. Adults must maintain six feet of distance from others to the extent possible, and maintaining three feet of distance is acceptable between and among students when combined with other measures outlined in this list of safety requirements. All right. Adults, six feet of distance from others. I don't like the word to the extent possible because that leads room for interpretation. Maintaining three feet of distance is acceptable between and among students when combined with other measures outlined in this list of safety requirements. So, students can be three feet apart, but adults have to stay six feet apart. And adults have to stay up six feet apart from the students as well. I can see how that's confusing. And this is one of the reasons that a lot of schools are going to, the, to a hybrid model because of just simple math and measurement and geometry. There's just not enough space in the buildings to accommodate full students, all students in the building to be able to meet those physical distancing capacities. Just can't happen. Just don't have it. And I've seen a lot of districts and a lot of folks to say that that's the reason why we can't do it. It's that simple. And many folks in the community and many folks in school boards are saying, oh, okay, we get that. We hear you. And others get all kinds of riled up about it. And it's, it, it's very simple. If you can't do it, you can't do it. I mean, I've seen really creative things out there happening. People are thinking about doing um, outdoor classrooms more. They're renting and leasing tents. 
um, to go onto fields and things, and they're trying to have as many outdoor possibilities as we can because that's the, the safest option. But as we know, we live in Maine, and in Maine it's going to snow, and, and, and sometimes snow comes earlier than later, and it gets pretty cold pretty early. So this is a sh very, very, very short-term solution, but it's a solution. It's an option for to get more kids in if we, want, if we wanted to. But it is confusing, and it is a fact that everyone has to be at least six feet from adults. Yes, students can be three feet. When combined with the other measures outlined in this list of safety requirements, masks, screening, hygiene, PPE, etc. That's been the biggest change in the framework for returning to classroom instruction, is the guidelines which were originally laid out most are still there, but the physical health and safety considerations have turned from guidelines into requirements in order to return safely. And people have asked, well, what happens if we don't comply with those things, if we just don't do it? And the answer is, well, you don't, that's, that's an option. And all of the CARES Act funds and other state-released funds might not be available to you. And that's a big deal because districts have been um, provided with a tremendous amount of opportunity and resource to help us through, plan for, and to get us through these times this next year. And if a district were to lose that, that could be catastrophic for a school district. So I hope, my hope is that all the districts and schools and educators uh, take this incredibly seriously, and I know they all are, because I see the anxiety, I feel the anxiety, and we all want to be back per normal, we all want to be back there, we just want to make sure it's safe for us, and for the kids, for, for the families, and it's going to look different, it's going to feel different. Another part, of, another update from MDOE, or that I want to talk about very quickly, is uh, the main online opportunities for sustained education, or MOOSE, as they're calling it. Uh, this is, quote, for, according to them, quote, to provide anytime, anywhere learning options and resources for educators, students, and their families. MDOE, in collaboration with curriculum coordinators, main educational community organizations, museums, learning centers, and main educators, is creating a library of asynchronous learning modules that are aligned to the main learning results. I can attest to the work that happened here. It was done over the summer. It will be continuing in through the fall. And educators from across the state and people from all different walks of the educational spectrum came together and worked on small teams to create these little modules, these modules, these project-based modules. Um, and the amount of variety and excellence that's out there is really good. Um, these are planning to be released in early September. There, the titles of them are out right now, the modules, but the full modules won't be available until uh, early mid-September. And what I see here is a fantastic opportunity for educators in particular and families who are doing remote learning from home or homeschooling, etc., to be able to have an additional layer of resources, um, options for kids, activities for kids, projects for kids that are aligned to the main learning results that are 
um, designed by local Maine educators that are going to challenge our students, but they can do on their own time, and they can still be meeting those expectations, but in a different way. And that's a crucial point in this time, that it can't all happen the same way as we always thought it was. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, something else to talk about is the uh, MLTI, MLTI 2.0. That is something that has been um, worked on. There's been a lot of educators from across the state have been working on this for the last year, trying to figure out what MLTI is going to be. As you know, we're in a gap year, and we have to come up with a plan to redesign MLTI. And that plan is in its development phase, and it should be... Um, coming to a close in the next month or two, I would imagine, and or pretty soon, I would say this, this fall, definitely, um, to have a draft plan of what MLTI is going to look like. So stay tuned for that. That's a big deal. Uh, when MLTI came out in 2000, it, it was game-changing. It was innovative. It, was, it changed the landscape of education, and we didn't really even know how much it was, but now other states and other places are still copying our model from 20 years ago. And so now we're going to update that model, and we're going to be innovating again. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that all works. On Friday, August 21st, from 11 to 12 p.m. a.m. to 12 p.m., the Maine Department of Education Commissioner Pender Macon is going to host a briefing with the legislature. Uh, we'll be talking and providing updates on the innovative initiatives that the department has undertaken as part of the continued provision of resources and support for Maine schools. That comes directly from their newsroom uh, brief on this uh, very issue. And finally, uh, Maine Department of Education is seeking, uh, is creating a waiver to... Um, Help wa uh, to the federal government to help waive requ our requirements related to things like ap assessment, chronic absenteeism, accountability identifications, and other accountability components within Maine's model of school support. I know along with this, they're looking at attendance statues, 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 statutes, and they are looking at all different kinds of ways to make sure that the the students are held accountable, the students are engaged, the students are participating in school, um, but in a way that is both equitable and appropriate. And I, I know that they're listening to a whole bunch of different ideas. And um, personally, I thank them for listening and for continuing to, to do what I think is a fantastic job of supporting districts and educators across the state during this impossible time. And those are all the updates that I have for you at this point. Um, I'm not going to get into the MPA and sports and things like that because that's just um, no, I'm just not. That 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 seems like a nightmarish hole for me to go down. But I did want to say one other thing before we left, before we adjourn for this particular moment in time. And that's this: I have been privy to many conversations with educational leaders and educators and folks across the state and other places, even on online through Twitter and conferences that I've gone to virtually. And one thing that I'm hearing a lot of is regarding things like, let's just talk about attendance for a second. And 
saying things along the lines of, well, in order to do attendance in a remote or hybrid environment, what we have to do is we're going to try to maintain our schedule. Let's say the high school level, our high school schedule. We're going to maintain that schedule as it normally was, and students will be expected to sign in and join synchronously live while that classroom is going on, and that's how we will take care of attendance. This worries me, folks. This worries me a lot. This idea, this mindset worries me a lot. And it worries me because um, for many years, there have been a lot of us in the education field who have kind of latched on to this belief or principle. And I believe it was first muttered by Robert Marzano, or Marzano Research or somewhere, but don't quote me on that. And that was that learning is the constant and time is the variable. If there's one thing that this pandemic has, has done to us, it has tested our resolve. It has tested us in so many ways and we're being tested again. Because right now, as we are coming back to school, as we are planning these frameworks and plans and systems and ideas and implementation ways to bring schools back safely and to get everyone involved, we are being tested on this very idea that the learning is the constant and the time is the variable. And I'm seeing and I'm hearing a lot of places where that belief isn't really there. It might be said it's there, but when you look at their systems and their plans, it's like, nope, what matters the most is the time. It's all about time. Not the learning, the time. And this worries me, folks. This worries me a lot. So I wanted to leave on this question of what is it that we believe? And if we believe it, how deeply do we believe it? Is this an essential belief or is this just a belief that can be, eh, passing? For me, personally, this is one of those hills I am willing to die on. And I will fight, I will lose, and I will win times. But everyone knows where I stand on this. That the learning is constant and the time is the variable that we need to be thinking about learning in these capacities, less about checking in times and, and not thinking of attendance in the way that we've always thought about attendance in that it's butts in seats or a physical walking into a building or being able to see someone face to face. Attendance doesn't have to be that. It can be different. And it can be different if we focus on the learning. How might we then recognize and count the attendance side of things? I've also seen this same principle being tested in the way that schools and um, districts are organizing students in terms of those in-person students and those full remote kids and families. And that trying to figure out ways of managing the problem themselves without um, 
without necessarily, or not necessarily without, I won't say without, but focusing more on the problems of the management side of it all versus what's best for the learning of the kids. And it's easy to get caught up in that because we're in a crazy time and it's so much unknown and it's very management and time in that way. It's easy to latch onto because it's easy to quantify and it's easy to see. And the learning is a lot harder to do. But I would rather us go down the hard road that's the right way than go down the wrong road that's the easy way. And that's what I worry about. So I, I challenge you all as you're looking at your plans, as you're looking at your classrooms, as you're looking at your district and your school and your colleagues and yourself as you come back into the fall, just take a moment or two to reflect. Is the learning the constant and the time the variable in our plan? Does it match that belief? And if it doesn't, Ask yourself, well, to what extent do I really believe it? Challenge ourselves in this way and keep those core values and essentials, those, this is where those mission statements and core values and beliefs become really important when we're being tested. And it ain't easy and it's not a popular place to come from sometimes because you're saying things that people don't necessarily either want to hear or that um, doesn't have a good answer. Saying, I don't know how we do it, but I know that this way can't work because it's focusing on this instead of this. So we have to still figure out the learning side first and then make the time variable. But we're focusing our attention on the time, not the learning. We're focusing our attention on getting back to academics instead of focusing on rebuilding trust, rebuilding community, rebuilding what it means to be a school, knowing that we've been out for six months. Really rebuilding ourselves. We've been undergone, undergoing, undergoing this massive amount of trauma for six months now and it's coming to a head and as it comes to a head we get tested we get tested on our beliefs and on our values so as you prepare I would just ask you all take a minute reflect on what you believe what you value and to what extent is what you're doing meeting those values and if you can say they are, fantastic. Move on with your day. And if, you, and if they don't, then you have some work to do. And I won't tell you how to do that because that's up to you. I don't know when we'll be back. I don't know when we're going to do another one of these. Um, I am going to be paying attention to the commissioner's speech on the 21st, which, as I'm recording this, is actually tomorrow. And I will do a, probably do a quick report on that. And I'm also going to be reaching out to folks to be part of panels and discussions. Earlier in the, in the spring, summer two, we did put out there into the ether webs and the internets um, that we'd like to host some sessions or some sessions, some episodes on uh, implicit bias in curriculum, implicit bias in schools, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, and 
uh, how to be um, to bring cultural diversity into ensure that it's in our system embedded into our system that it's not something that's just like an add-on that it's 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 a part of it it's there and it's an important part of everything i am still looking to schedule those things i haven't been able to get to that this summer because well i've been busy with other things it's been a busy busy few months um but we'll look to get to those as well and if you want to continue to be a part of that or if you want to be a part of any conversation just uh let us know. You can uh, instant message us on uh, direct messenger us on Twitter at Main Ed Matters. You can contact us on Facebook, facebook.com/slash/MainEducationMatters, and of course our website, MainEducationMatters.weebly.com. That does it for us today. Uh, thank you so very much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Bye. -bye.